Well, evening, everybody. Glad to join you on this live stream message from the Neighborhood Church. Hope you stick with us. Hey, thanks for typing in your responses to that question. I hope that if you are hearing this, you have experienced some community during the pandemic. A lot of those answers to the question involved those yard visits. I see you, Toby. Thanks for that unexpected yard visit this morning. Uh, the sweaty back porch Texas sit-downs at a social distance. How about bug spray, Courtney? What is the common denominator? It's that kind of relational face-to-face -face connection. That's how so many of us have experienced community during the pandemic. But my question this evening is, is it possible to experience community without proximity, without that socially distant or worship gatherings face-to-face? -face? Is it possible to experience community without proximity? I've got to tell you that it's been done before, and I want to talk about how we can see three ways Paul was able to cultivate community without proximity. Where we're going to be in a few moments is looking at three ways that we can cultivate community without proximity. All the front yard visits and back porch visits, man, that's just gravy. Keep on keeping on. But this evening, I want to explore ways we can cultivate community without proximity. Three ways out of Philippians chapter 1. We'll be there in just a minute. So while you're turning to Philippians chapter 1, I want to pray. I want to give us a phrase that we can pray together. Maybe somebody who wants a gold star can type this in the chat. Here's the phrase I want to let, uh, I want to repeat together as we pray. Draw all people into your life and love. Okay? God, draw all people into your life and love. Can somebody type that out for me? God, draw all people into your life in love. That's going to be our prayer prompt as we take a breath, become present to God's presence, our soul at attention before God, and all of us, without proximity, attentive to God together. And in just a few moments, I'll prompt us to pray, draw all people into your life and love. Let's take another breath, and I want you to consider those people left out, pushed out to the margins of our society. I want you to pray for and hold in your heart the homeless in our community. Those you know that have lost livelihoods, those pushed out, left out. And we pray, God, draw all people into your life and love. Take another breath and consider those who are lonely, who are in nursing homes, who are isolated, whose families and friends are far 
Consider those you know who are longing to get back to some kind of community and normalcy. Hold them in your heart and head. And we pray, God, draw all people into your life and love. So many of us in our community have started school the last couple weeks. Dallas ISD is starting here shortly. But one of the ever-present needs are those students who are in jeopardy of being left alone and left behind, whose parents have to work even while we're here in a virtual setting. Those children who don't have reliable access to internet or guidance, would you consider those children that you know in your kids' classes, those that we are teaching, those that we are trying to connect with, those in the community around the Rock Recreation Center where we spend so much of our time and energy and mission? Consider those children as we pray, God, draw all people into your life and love. So Almighty Father, who loves us with a relentless passion, longing to be gracious to us, desiring that all people come to the knowledge of you, that they would be saved and found in relationship with you through Jesus the Christ. We ask, Lord, that in your tender motherly care that you would Gather those who are far under your wing. And Lord, we ask that you would give us wisdom and courage, for you often call us to be the answer to our own prayers. So may we draw those who are left out, lost, and lonely to the foot of the cross to find your love radiating out, offering forgiveness and new life and a new chance and a new direction and a new community of those that you call beloved. So Lord, would you bless us, keep us, and draw all people into your life and love. And Lord, as we set aside these next few moments together, that we would be ever mindful of those to whom you are sending us, even without some of that proximity? Would you teach us to be God's people together for your kingdom in our neighborhood? We pray all this in the strong name of Jesus and all God's people said, amen, amen. Well, thank you for praying together with me. Thank you for joining us for this live stream. I hope you'll stick with us. How can we experience community without proximity? I hope you've joined me in Philippians chapter 1. We're going to see, I think, at least three ways that we can cultivate community without proximity. But first, I want to play a little game. Okay? Y'all ready? Here's the game. Finish the lyric. All right? I know this is being recorded. I know that this is live on Facebook. So please deal kindly with me because I'm about to sing. I'm going to give you three lines and I want you to finish the lyric. Okay, I have confidence. I bet you're going to get three out of three. Y'all ready? Here's the first one. Finish the lyric.
I just called to say what? Oh, come on, you know it. I just called to say what? You got it? Anybody? Is somebody typing it? Is somebody singing it? Come on, it's the great Stevie Wonder. I just called to say I love you. How did I know that Kelly was going to be the ultimate Grand Supreme? Kelly, you one for one, okay? I just called to say I love you. All right, here's our second one. This is going to take a lot of emotion, a lot of, a lot of my just mm, raw talent and passion to really channel this. So, so, so it's only going to happen twice, so get ready. Here's our second one. Ready? Hello? What do you think? I'm going to do it. I'm only going to do it one more time. I told you to be kind to me as I summon up all my emotion and power. Ready? Hello? What's the next lyric? You got it? Anybody? Is that Melissa? So says my producer. You got it? Hello? It's me. Right? That's, that's, a, that's a killer Adele. You got to know that. Be, be nice to me. You know that that was a killer Adele, okay? That was our second one. First one, Stevie Wonder, I just called to say I love you. Second one, shout out, strong work, Melissa. Hello, it's me. That's Adele, baby. Here's our third one, okay? We're going back to my childhood. This is an oldie but a goodie. Y'all ready? Here we go. When there's something strange in your neighborhood. I know you got this one. I know you got this one. I know that Becky Knight is somewhere in Central Garland screaming Ghostbusters in their den, right? When there's something strange in your neighborhood, what? Who you gonna call? Okay, all right, I know. I pushed the limits on that cheese factor there. But you're, you're with me, right? Who you gonna call, right? Ghostbusters, yes, okay. We got Stevie Wonder, I just called to say I love you. We've got Adele, hello, it's me. I'm trying to make things right and, you know, I'm trying to reconnect here. Or I've got the Ghostbusters because there's something strange in my neighborhood. Who are you going to call? I need help. Now, you people are smart enough to see the connection. We're not just talking about phone calls. We're talking about the broader issue of... Who is it in your circle, on your speed dial, that you call when you've had that kind of day, right? Who are you calling to vent with? Maybe you're like the Stevie Wonder song. Who do you call just to say, hey, I love you? Who are you calling to celebrate with? Who do you call when you got good news? Maybe you're on the other side, when you've got that bad news, you're not calling to celebrate, you're calling to commiserate. Who are you gonna call? I think this is your community, and the common thread in each of those cheesy lyrics is that it's still a sense that we're in this together, even if we're not face to face. We have a remarkable gift of technology. I'm speaking to you now. We can call and connect and stay connected even without proximity. This is what we're getting at, to build and cultivate community without proximity. Who is it 
that you call? Who is it in your circle? Let me tell you that for the Apostle Paul, it was God's family. It was his people, the family of God. They were on his ancient iPhone favorites list. And I think that's remarkable. I really hope, and I'm being serious here, if you are listening to this message, that you have people in the neighborhood church that are on your short list when you're calling to celebrate, commiserate, or you're just calling to try to reconnect and do this thing called life together. I really, really hope that we are on your short list. Because for Paul, it was the family of God. Now hear me, because I said this way back in March at the beginning of the pandemic, that church does not equal content. Church has got to be a place that's bigger than, oh, that's the place I go to hear sermons. Oh, that's the place I used to go to sing together without masks. Church is more than content, the things we do and give. The church is more than a place. The church is a people. It's a people united in faith that Jesus is Lord and that God is at work in the Holy Spirit renewing all things. We're united in faith, we're united in mission, and we're united in community. I really, really hope that you can point to a church community, not just a call when things are rough or when things are good, but say, these are my people. I have a community. We're united in faith and mission and community together. The people you call, oh, I hope the neighborhood church fits the bill for you. I know it does for me. And it's something we've all got to work out together. For the Apostle Paul, his family one of the families of all the churches he started that was really near and dear to his heart was the church in Philippi. Philippi is in the modern-day northern Greece, and it's actually probably true that they were the first Europeans to ever hear the good news of Jesus Christ. Isn't that amazing? You can read how that story was started in Acts chapter 16. I know we're still taking a break from the book of Acts. Lord willing, we'll get there someday, but you can check it out. It's remarkable. Paul starts this church, and he loves this church. They had history. They had been through it. I hope that you've got history. You've been through some stuff with us, the local expression of the family of God, people that you can call. For Paul, that was the church in Philippi. Now, when Paul writes this letter that we're about to look at in Philippians chapter 1, he wrote it in jail. Now, he might have been in Ephesus when he was writing this, and that's about 300 miles across the sea from where this church he loved is. So Paul is writing this letter to them because the church in Philippi sent a guy named Epaphroditus. Y'all say Epaphroditus. I love that name. Somebody name your child Epaphroditus for me, please. You can, you can give me middle name billing. I would love that. I'll, I'll really appreciate that. Epaphroditus, Adam, fill in the blank. Just some of you just need to really think about it and pray about it. But at any rate, Epaphroditus goes to Paul in jail. Because in those days when you were in jail, you'd get fed mostly, but everything else is kind of just up to whoever 
can come and visit and give you the other things you need. So any kind of support or bonus stuff, you had to rely on people outside. Now, Paul is not in proximity at the moment with this church that he started and he loves in Philippi. He's 300 miles away. So they send Epaphroditus not just to give him some financial support, but to get a report back. They're concerned for him. They're wondering if he's going to make it. And y'all, this is remarkable because this is this is what happens still here in like the Dallas County jails. You got to put some money into those people's account to try to get other food and snacks and phone calls and these kinds of things. But um, really that takes a debit card and a phone call and, a, you know, a few little clicks on a mouse. They traveled a great distance because they loved him. They were in community with him, even though they weren't in proximity. So the church in Philippi sends Epaphroditus with some money, and they're like, yo, we want to hear that everything's okay. So the letter to Philippians is in some respect a beautiful, joyful thank you note to this community without proximity. We have this letter that has existed for 2,000-ish years as a thank you note from someone who experienced a depth of community without proximity. It's been done before. And what's remarkable when you read this letter, a couple years ago we did a Bible study in the book of Philippians, and you cannot miss the theme of joy running through it. Paul had every excuse to be tired and bitter and done, but instead he was joyful, not fearful. He wasn't just thinking of himself, he was thinking of others. He wasn't only freaking out, he was praying. He wasn't losing his mind, he was praying. He wasn't fearful, he was joyful. He wasn't just thinking of himself, he was thinking of others. If that's not a mark of life with God that's gotten into your bones and matured you and grown you, I don't know what is. I mean, how would you be feeling stuck in this isolation, 300 miles away from everyone you love and care about? For some of you, you've had an experience that's probably not that dissimilar from what Paul experienced. But he was able to find joy and community even though he was isolated and far apart. Are you sensing some of these connections? I hope you're sensing some invitation. Would you dare to believe that community without proximity is not just possible, but it's essential and it's within reach and it is for us? as God's people together. I hope you have somebody to call within this community. I hope that you have experienced community during this pandemic. And if not, and if we need to practice a little bit more together, let's explore three ways we can cultivate that kind of community without proximity. That's my long intro. Intro. Let's get into Philippians chapter one. I'm gonna give you three ways we can cultivate community without proximity, okay? Ephesians chapter one, beginning in verse one. We're going to walk through this. I'm going to pause a little bit, give you those three things. We're going to pray at the end, and then we'll be done. Paul and Timothy, servants of Christ Jesus, to all God's holy people in Christ Jesus at Philippi, 
together with the overseers, that's the pastors or elders, and deacons, okay? So this is the church leaders, the church servants, and the church people in the seats, okay? Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Pause real quick. Imagine that you've been waiting on bated breath, waiting for Epaphroditus to get back, wondering if Paul was doing okay, if he was in good health, if he was in good spirits. Imagine when Epaphroditus gets back, he gets into a living room, not unlike the one you might be sitting in, with a dozen or so, maybe 20, 25 other brothers and sisters in Christ, and they're about to hear what Paul has to say. After the greeting, listen to this in verse I thank my God every time I remember you. I love that. I thank my God every time I remember you. The first way we can help cultivate community without proximity is this. Solidarity. Okay? Solidarity. We're in this together. I thank my God every time I remember you. I'm in this jail cell 300 miles away, and I'm thinking of you. We're in this together. I'm in my living room on this old church pew. I'm thinking of you. You are where you are thinking of her and him. There's a solidarity when we are in this thing together. And what a pandemic practice it could be, hear me on this, if you thanked God every time someone came across your mind. Let me say it like this. What if when they're on your mind, you can reach up and reach out? What would happen if every time someone comes across your mind, you reach up to God in prayer, and it could be as simple as, God, bless them, keep them, God, help them, whatever they're going through, and reach out. Hey, I was just thinking about you. How are you? I'm praying for you. What would this community look like? Because I can't do it. I don't do it as well as I could or should some days. We all need each other. What would it look like for everybody, pastors, servants, everybody in the pews, to cultivate the community with that kind of solidarity? We're doing this together. You are being thought of. And every time you come across my mind, I'll reach up and even reach out. There's an extreme, crazy example of this. I remember from somebody that came through this church years and years ago. She was describing how she was uh, in college in a Christian organization, and some from their membership went on a mission trip. And she remembers that in the middle of the night, she woke up from a dead sleep and immediately had this image of those friends and students that were overseas a long way away in another time zone. She had an image of their faces and she felt compelled to pray for them. And so she prayed for them in the middle of the night, went back to sleep. Days passed Weeks passed, they finally get word when that team returns that they encountered some serious trouble. They were this close to being arrested and worse. 
And when they started to talk about this and process this, someone else in that meeting shared that on this one night, it was so random, I woke up in the middle of the night, I thought of you guys, and I prayed for you guys. And then the other person over there said, the same thing happened to me. And the woman that was sharing this story with me says, yeah, me too. There's something, not always, but certainly sometimes, there's something about the Spirit of God that unites us that's going to nudge us. I got to tell you that this has happened to me the last couple weeks. Maybe not in that kind of extreme way, but I just, you just think of somebody, don't you? And invariably, hasn't this happened where a day or two or three later, you hear something about that person? Here's how it's happened to me the last couple weeks. Man, I knew I should have called him. Man, I knew I should have sent him a text. What would it look like if every time they cross your mind, you reach up to God and you reach out to them? How would that transform this community and say, hey, we're in this together? Paul says, I thank God every time I remember you. Can we practice this together? Can we get so good at this that we could cultivate community even without proximity? It's going to require more intentionality, not less. Each one of us, it's going to take more responsibility, not less. He thanks God for them. Why? Verse 4, in all my prayers for all of you, I always pray with joy. Why? Because of your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. Now, sometimes that word can get translated fellowship, and it does involve that. Fellowship is in, hey, we enjoy each other, we love each other, we're united in faith and mission and community. But when he uses this word partnership, it's a real key word throughout this letter and in Paul's ministry and thinking. Partnership is not just fellowship, it's functional. It also means financial. It means we're in this thing together. It's a kind of love that puts its money where its mouth is, right? It's not just, hey man, I really support what you got going on. It's, I'm going to write a check because I believe in what you're doing. This is what we do as a church with our kingdom partners. We have people all over the globe that we're in this with you. And we're trying to put our money where our mouth is. If we're going to ask our people to give to this church, our church, the neighborhood church, needs to model that same kind of generosity. We think that giving, we don't think, we see this in Paul's letters, especially in 2 Corinthians and elsewhere, in Philippians chapter 4, that giving our money to kingdom causes, to God's people, to the poor and people in need, is a discipleship issue. Jesus was open-handed with his life and time and energy and love and resources. And as followers of Jesus, he wants our checkbooks, our debit cards, to come under his lordship. We're apprentices to Jesus to give our life, our time, our love. And so it's a lot easier to ask for this kind of money that we're asking to support kingdom work because you all believe in the work of our kingdom partners. They are sending good news and good works in all parts of the world. This is essential to being a community of God's people 
together. We not just do it with our kingdom partners. Guys, you did it this last week within our own community. You know, this school year is so unusual and different. You guys are feeling it. You guys have seen it. You're talking about it. We're talking about it together. And when it comes to the ministry in and around The Rock that we have such a heart for, such a presence in, such a love for, we couldn't do Rock and Summer this this summer. We couldn't do our neighborhood table dinner church safely at this time. And so we're just sitting there like, man, we are longing to reconnect with this community. And we want to come alongside the work that The Rock and other churches that partner with that organization are doing. And so we asked you, could you just give, could you give so that we could purchase and bless these students in an uncertain school year? with some school supplies and some basics to help them get a leg up on such a crazy year. And church, even without proximity, even without our giving baskets in our worship gathering, you gave over $1,000 this last week. Over 1,000 and counting. Why? Because you care about our neighbors and our neighborhood. You care in small, tangible ways because that has a great kingdom impact when we keep showing up for a kingdom presence in our neighborhood. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. You guys rock. God is at work in us and in our midst, even at a distance. Amen? Amen. So we have this kind of solidarity. Our kingdom partners there, our community here. And it's more than just money. It's our mission. We believe in the work that God is doing. So what Paul is saying is, I thank God when I remember you, and I'm praying for you. It fills me with joy because we're partners in the gospel. We're partners in the gospel. It's more than just money. It's our mission. Guys, What unites us must be bigger than what divides us. At the Neighborhood Church, we want to keep Jesus and the good news of Jesus central, essential. To know Jesus, to follow Jesus, to love and live like Jesus, that is bedrock, foundation. This is what it's about. Everything else is kind of open to discernment, to discernment in community, through the reading and understanding of God's word, but what unites us must always be bigger than what divides us. Lord knows the church has divided enough throughout its history. And so how I think about this, the partnership in the gospel, I think it's always important to say, well, what do we mean when we say the gospel? Like what is essential when it comes to this church, this message, this partnership? that Paul is speaking of. The gospel, I hope you understand in this church, is so much bigger than where you go when you die. Maybe you grew up in certain churches that said, if you just pray this prayer, you get to go to heaven when you die. Give me just enough of the blood of Jesus where I can live forever. Some kind of vampire Christianity, as Dallas Willard, the late great, says. No, no, no. It's not just about life after death. It's about life right now in God's kingdom. It's so much bigger than just getting just enough of Jesus so you get to live with him forever. 
It's also bigger than what's called an atonement theory. Jesus died in my place so I could be forgiven, so I could have my sins washed away. I'm not saying that's not true. I'm saying that's not the whole story. It's not just that Jesus died for you. Jesus still invites you to die with him. He says, if anyone wants to come after me and follow me, let him take up his cross daily, deny himself, and follow me. It's not just about getting my sins forgiven and my life forever. It's about getting swept up into the kingdom of God and seeing more of heaven come to earth as we follow Jesus in this life. What is the gospel? Let me tell you. It's the good news of Jesus. It's the good news that Jesus is the reigning Lord and he's inviting all people into God's kingdom. Let me say it again. The gospel is the good news that Jesus is Lord and he's inviting all people into God's kingdom. When you give your life to Jesus, you do find yourself swept up into a life that's eternal. When you give your life to Jesus, you do find that you're forgiven and you you're find yourself free with a fresh start. But it's so much bigger than that. It's about this life now and making more and more of heaven on earth because we are giving ourselves to God and God gives himself to us. God has said yes on the cross of Christ to humanity. He's longing for us to say yes back, to join his mission, because the gospel is the good news that Jesus is Lord and he's inviting all people into God's kingdom. Would we be a church that keeps on inviting and making the path straight for those to come in to life with God through Jesus? That's what it's about. We are partners in the gospel. We are partners with other people doing this work of bringing and being good news. That's why every year at the Neighborhood Church, we hand out partner agreements. Are you committed to follow Jesus, to love neighbor, to grow disciples, to create space and bring peace? Those are our five core practices. Are you partnering with God's family here in the Neighborhood Church to go and follow Jesus, do this thing together? Are you partnering with us? Paul was partnered with the church in Philippi, even though he was in jail, without proximity, 300 miles away, there was still this solidarity that these are my people. I'm united in faith and mission and community. We're doing this together. You with me? That's number one. Who are you partnered with? Who are you partnered with? Who's my people? And I hope that you'll join me in that practice. When someone crosses your mind, you reach up to God in prayer and reach out as best you can as they cross your mind. Now, that's the first key to cultivating community without proximity is that solidarity. Hey, we're in this together. And unlike some of those commercials you saw at the beginning of this pandemic, I think we, get, we gotta really mean it. You know what I'm saying? No offense, Chili's. I love your chips and queso and salsa, but we're not really in this together. You know what I'm saying? Not sure that that's what Paul means here. <laughs> we got to have a solidarity that's deep. We're in this together. That's number one. The second thing is empathy. Okay? Empathy. He says, oh man, I want to go to verse six. 
I'm sorry. I got so excited to get to the next thing because I spent a lot of time on the first. Let me read verse 6 to you. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. Would you underline that verse? Highlight that verse? More than that, would you dare to believe that the God who started you down this journey will make sure to get you through to the end? God is not just a starter, he's a finisher. Would you dare to believe that he's going to get you through to the end? God is big enough to finish what he started, but will we be confident enough to believe it? That can really be encouraged along the journey when we're in this together in solidarity. Okay, that was verse six. Man, how could I miss that? Let's move to the second point, which is empathy. That's the second thing that can help us cultivate community without proximity. First is solidarity. The second is empathy. Look what he says in verses seven to eight. And it's right for me to feel this way about all of you since I have you in my heart. And whether I am in chains or defending and confirming the gospel, all of you share in God's grace with me. God can testify how I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. I love that phrase, that I have you in my heart. I love uh, this idea that even though we're apart, not only can you cross our minds, but we can hold you, carry you in our hearts. Henry Nouwen says this in his book, The Way of the Heart. He's thinking of praying for people. And this is what he says. When we say to people, I will pray for you, we make a very important commitment. The sad thing is that this remark often remains nothing but a well-meant expression of concern. But when we learn, hear this, to descend with our mind into our heart, then all those who have become part of our lives are led into the healing presence of God and touched by Him in the center of our being. Could it be that that's what Paul has in mind when he says, I have you in my heart, when I'm thinking of thanking God, when I'm praying for you? We descend with our mind into our heart. Then all those who have become part of our lives are led into the healing presence of God and touched by Him in the center of our being. You want Adam's paraphrase of that? We take our people with us into the healing presence of God. We take our people with us into the healing presence of God. When Paul says that I have you in my heart, he's not just saying thoughts and prayers. He means it. Even though he's in chains and 300 miles away, he has them He's bringing them into the healing presence of God. I'm on a group text with some old friends, some childhood friends, and we've been scattered geographically and just as life goes on, but we always try to make a point to stay connected. In the last year, one of my friend's family members has had a really difficult time physically and medically. 
and of late things have really taken a turn and so almost every other day if not every other three days or so we're getting texts and updates and we're sending back encouragements and prayers and something really struck me this week when this person in the group text said you know I'm just imagining what you might have seen that week in the hospital I'm imagining how I would feel next to that. I would imagine how I would feel separated by the glass because of COVID and all of these concerns. I'm putting myself in your shoes. That's a way of descending from your mind into your heart to hold these people in your heart. It's a way of turning others into brothers. It's not just them out there. In my heart, without proximity, I can hold them in the deep places and bring them to the healing presence of God because I'm imagining how I would feel if I were in their shoes. Who do you have in your heart? Who do you have in your heart? These are probably also the people like Paul that you long for that relationship to be renewed and restored. Know that we're still live streaming as a church, not because it's just easier this way. We don't have to go and set up our sound and rehearse the band, although y'all better check out that video. Kelly really stepped it up with the band this week. Ooh, that got me excited hearing those drums and all that. I love Kelly's worship videos, you and that keyboard, but man, you really stepped up your game this week after a wild week at school. Shout out to our worship team. It would be so great to be back together, but we're trying to do the best we can to love each other, to love our neighbors, and to make sure that we're back when we all feel good about being back. We all thought we would be back by now, and Lord willing, we'll be back sooner than later. But for now, we're trying to decide, okay, how do we continue to cultivate community without proximity? First way is solidarity. We're in this together. Second way is empathy. Really getting these people into your heart. Even though we long to be reunited, we trust that we will be. So the third and final piece that really is just going to be an intro to praying as we go is this prayer that Paul shifts into in verses 9 to 10. Before I give you that third piece, that third word, Let's hear Paul's prayer in verses 9 to 10. And this is my prayer, that your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight, so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. What a prayer. Maybe this is a prayer that you could take and pray for those you're living life with in solidarity and that's in your heart. But the word that I chose for this piece of how we can cultivate community without proximity is clarity. And let me explain why. When it comes down to it, Paul's prayer is that you would see clearly and without any ambiguity that it is about God's love getting into your bones so that it gets out into your life. Y'all, I've been the chef of this pandemic season this year, and I've got to tell you that one of the game changers in my adult cooking life has been marinades. <laughs> A lot of you are like, okay, that's random, of course, 
But I got to confess to you that for many, many years of my kind of not so great cooking, I thought I'd just rip that chicken out of the package, throw it on something, sprinkle it, and just call it a day. Let me tell you, marinades were the game changer. I'm sitting there going, where has this been my whole life? How did I ever settle for just a little sprinkle of seasoning when I could get all of that flavor inside? Effectively, what Paul is praying is that this love would get into your bones and it would clarify, you'd discern, you would know that you know that you know that regardless of all that mess that you're seeing in the news, regardless of all that mess that you're seeing in social media, now is the time for us to be so locked in and clear that as God's people together in community, we are about love. Last week we said what sums it all up is this kind of love that decentralizes self and seeks the good of others. Oh, that we would get that clear, that Paul would get that into our bones, that we would abound more and more, that we would know it, that we would get it inside so that it would come out and that we would live this life now until the day that we see Jesus face to face. This is what we ought to be about. Oh, that we would marinate in the love of God so that it flavors our whole life. Oh, man, does your house have the flavor of this love that abounds? Does your social media presence, does your email, does your work life, does it have the flavor of God's love? that you would abound more and more, and this fruitfulness and right living would just come out more and more. You see, Paul had every reason to be tired, bitter, and done, but he said he was joyful, he wasn't fearful, because he knew he had Jesus and a community in solidarity, in empathy, in his heart, in clarity. I know, let's keep the main thing the main thing so that it flavors our whole life. This is how we cultivate community, even without proximity. Who are you partnered with? Who are you carrying in your heart? And oh, that you would marinate in the love of God so that it comes out in your family, your work, your social life. Now, I want to close by praying Paul's prayer. And I want to invite you to do that with me. Maybe you could set aside five minutes each day this week to marinate in that love, to sit with Jesus, to bring these people into the healing presence of God, to see them in your mind's eye, to name them in the presence of God, and say, this is my people, this is my community, and just take five minutes of stillness and prayer and commit every day this week to pray these words of Paul. Let's start with tonight. Take a breath. See their faces. Hold them in your heart. And pray these words. This is my prayer. That your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight. Who are you praying this over? so that you may be able to discern what is best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, 
filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and praise of God. Oh, that we would pray this, that we would be together, that we would feel together in our hearts, and that we would have the clarity to get this love in our bones so that it works itself out into our life. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, may we continue to grow together as a community for this season without proximity. Amen, and go in peace.